It was uh, July, and the Cook family was on a road trip. Put your hand up if you've been on a road trip. And we're on our way, and it's one of these epic things. It all starts with great news. We're all going to pack the healthy snacks, celery sticks, carrots, organic nuts, that kind of thing. And a few days into it, uh, can I get uh, a pack of 20-count chicken nuggets, please? Who wants fries? And off we go. It's, a, it's one of those trips that you're just taking in the scenes. And we found ourselves in a beautiful place. It was the first time the kids had been there. And it was actually in the place called, is this not working? All right, Lake Louise, we were in the Banff National Park. Again, show of hands, who's been there? Yeah, iconic picture there, you have to have that shot that's there. And the children are taking it all in, and uh, we are making our way through the park. And Beth, uh, sweet Beth, continues to tell the children, children, look, <laughs> look at the wonder. Look at the majesty. Look at the turquoise-colored water. And the kids are just bright-eyed and looking at it all. And it's that idea of the wonder of Christmas. And we're on a journey together as we look at the four different Sundays of Advent. And we are in week two, which is peace. And eventually on this trip we're taking, we're going to get to Christmas Eve. And as was announced, we're going to have a big service on Christmas Eve. No doubt they're going to sing O Holy Night, O Night Divine. And that's the night when our dear Savior is born. And then it's that morning, the culmination on Sunday morning as we are in our pajamas watching Daniel in his pajamas celebrating Christmas, the truth that he came, Jesus came. And there is a passage of scripture I want us to turn to today, and uh, that passage of scripture is in John chapter 1, verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn there? That's where we're going to be. If you've got a device, turn there as well. There's, uh, there's the app. You can uh, track along with some notes if you're into that uh, to see. But uh, this is the one verse we're looking at. It's a famous verse. If you've been in church a bit, you'll know that uh, this is one of those church uh, verses that we get to. It's so full of, uh, of great truth. And uh, we have that there. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Wanted to take that passage of Scripture, and uh, we want to just reduce it now. We want to take it now and just look at this one verse, but we want to even take the territory of that verse and narrow it even more and look at just five words. Five words. Word became flesh, dwelt among us. And that's going to be our outline today as we look at that. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I want to just say we are focusing on one verse with five words, but we are going to go at other parts of Scripture to bring in different kinds of perspectives on this. So we're going to answer three questions. And uh, here we go, question number one. Uh, Tosh, I don't quite know how, there we go. So the first question is, who is he? That's the first question as we look at that one word. And then the second one is, became flesh, 
question there would be, what does that mean? And then the third question would be, dwelt among us, why would he want to do that? Those are the three questions. That's your outline. That's what's in the notes. And so let's just jump right in as we look at the first part here, the word. Who is he? Now John, the writer John, has this first section. There's 18 verses, and that first thing is called the prologue. And the prologue is what? It's like in an inverted funnel. You take that thin end at the top, and it's that, it's that prologue is the, the thin end, and it just sort of amplifies throughout the whole rest of the book of John what is going to happen on, and the themes that are there. And those themes are captured in the first 18 verses. And he starts off like any good storyteller. He starts off at the beginning, and he says... In verse 1, he's going to say, in the beginning was the Word. What's interesting is we've got to figure out who the Word is, but before we even get to that, you've got to know all the way back to verse 1 of, Gen- or, 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 uh, of John chapter 1. So let's look at John. There it is, John 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word. Now, maybe you've done this before. You're talking to somebody or you're driving, you're listening to something on a podcast or whatever, the radio, and somebody says something, you go, I know that guy. I've been to that place. I know what they're talking about. And as soon as you see this, in the beginning, I know that phrase. In the beginning. Wait, that's Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the writer John is saying this. It's very, very different from who? From Matthew. Matthew says, God, I want to talk about the origin of God. Jesus, I'm going to take you back as far as Abraham. And then Mark says, no, 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 I'm going to try my little genealogy. I'm going to take you back, and I'm going to get you as far as John the Baptist. And Luke comes along and says, no, I'm going to take you as far back as David. None of them have gone far enough behind because John rips back the curtain and says, listen, you want to know where God came from? In the beginning, God. Someone once said, John went back (laughs) to find out where God started. He went back before there was a back. He went back before there was a when. He went way, way back. And he says, in the beginning was the word. That's the same word, no pun intended, John 1.14, and the word became flesh. John is teasing the audience and he's saying, the word was God. And if you're in that section of John chapter 1, and you're in the prologue, and you're looking at it, and you're going, okay, where is Jesus going to show up? The actual name Jesus is going to show up. Not until verse 17. He's teasing it all the way. Word, 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 word. And then by verse 17, he says, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So the audience, who is reading this for the first time, during that century, they're leaning in and they know who this Jesus is. I, I know that Jesus. Isn't he the carpenter? Didn't he come from Nazareth? And you're telling me what? That he's the Word? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. There's some great parallel. It's like a set of stairs here that we have. Great parallel. You have beginning, word, word, God. Then you come up the stairs again and you go, God, word, word, beginning. That's what's captured here in verses 1 and 2. You see that, that John is saying, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
powerful verses that we have there. And we look at that, and today we're trying to look, as we look at that, we want to understand the Christmas story, and we want to have this marvel, this wonder, that that word, the eternal God, came in the flesh and dwelt among us. So who is the word? The word is Jesus. The word is a person, it is Jesus. Now, as we look at that, Marjorie Freeman read that for us today. These same witnesses, John, the writer here in the gospel, he's a big writer. He writes 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And in 1 John, he, reads, he writes what Marjorie wrote today. He says, well, you know what? We're witnesses. We are witnesses of what we have seen, what we've heard. I'll read it for you here. We proclaim to you. Isn't that a great word? We proclaim to you what? We proclaim to you that the one who existed in the beginning... Same writer, Gospel of John, 1 John, using the same language. I want to proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard, we've seen, we saw him with our own eyes, and touched him with our own hands. He is the word. He is the word of life. 1 John 1, verse 1. Our first point was, who is this word? It is Jesus. Jesus is the word. He is the one in which we are studying and looking at today. Let's, <clears throat> let's now take it to our second question, our second set of questions that we have there. We have Jesus is the word, and then the next one is, and the word became flesh. And the word became flesh. We have this picture of the manger scene, and, wait, I just need to stop right now. I'm ready to close in prayer, Sarah Hoover. Why am I stopping and closing in prayer? Sarah Hoover, a couple of weeks ago, on one of the videos, said, you know what? You need to be in a small group. You know why? Because when the speaker speaks, we only remember about 10% of what they say. <laughs> and after about three minutes, four minutes, six minutes, whatever, Nothing is going to be remembered. So let's just go ahead and close in prayer and be on our way because you got your content for this morning. Thank you, Sarah, for the hours and hours of preparation. That mean nothing because we're done. So, became flesh. What does that mean? Now, before we get to that, we need to understand that this is the manger scene, you've seen them all over the place, you have this manger scene, and you've been to the little Christmas uh, can, uh, cantatas, the Christmas programs, and you see your little kids, and you're taking pictures, and one time I was at one, and all of a sudden the little guy in the announcement goes, excuse me, we have one little child away in the manger. And sure enough, one little guy had climbed into the manger, and they had to go rescue the little guy out of the manger. For the very first time, when those at the manger on that first Christmas, when they looked in to the manger and they saw this baby, for the very first time, earth looked in to heaven and saw the Son of God born there. John chapter 1, verse 3, says this. Before we get to the sweet baby born in the manger, 
John wants to remind us this God who was with God was God. Don't miss this. Creation was created. God wasn't created. He was there already at the beginning. And he says this. There's three verses we want to look at. We want to look at this. Verse John chapter 1, verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Let's expand on that. Hebrews 1, verse 2 says, In these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. The Word. Jesus, his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. Catch this, baby in the manger, through whom all things he created the world. All things through him, whom he also he created the world. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And you have this contrast as you're looking into the manger, and you have the eternal one who had no beginning or end. Don't miss the, the wonder and the awe that God was born. The eternal one was born. He who had and held everything together with omnipotent power, there before us, helpless in a manger. The majesty and the meekness. You have immensity and you have the baby asleep in the manger. The one who was and is and is to come took on flesh that he might be born as a human being. Now, there is a word that's in the church kind of talk. It's not actually in the Bible. It's like the word Trinity. It's not in the Bible, but it's like this is the same kind of thing, incarnation. You can't actually find the word incarnation in the Bible, but the idea is this, that the divine nature of Jesus was united with the human nature, all in one person. And that incarnation, he didn't become God. The Word was God. At the incarnation, the Word didn't come into existence, but the Word did become flesh. John uses a great word there, flesh. It's a blunt term. It's an earthy term, flesh. Bones, hair, organs, teeth. Human, like you and like me. Now, I arrived today... And right from the very front, greeters, John, I see you have a little bucket there. Is that an object lesson today? And I smiled and said, yes, object lesson today. And, uh, and then I'm hanging my coat. And sure enough, someone there says, John, I see you have a bucket. Is that an object lesson today? And I said, yes, it's an object lesson today. So, audience, there's an object lesson today. Now, pause. My desire today, with this one verse, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, that somehow in the midst of this busy Christmas season, 
this second week of Advent, we can just slow down, take in the wonder and the awe and the gravity and the mystery of the incarnation, and that we could do that and have that sense. So when I do this little gimmicky kind of object lesson, I, don't, I was hesitant because I don't want to take away from that. But I think it's going to help us understand the truth of our second question became flesh. Became flesh. What does that mean? So, I have a product placement here. I have a bottle of water representing the humanity of Christ, the human nature of Christ. And I have a packet of Kool-Aid, black cherry flavored, artificial flavor, of course. And uh, so we have this little packet, this powder of Kool-Aid, and uh, this is going to represent the divine nature of Jesus. Again, definition for incarnation, it is the union of the humanity, the human nature, the divine nature in the person of Jesus. And so what you have then is you have your water and you open it right up, the human nature, and you take the divine nature and you give it a bit of a shake-shake and you put it into your little pitcher here and you give it a little flick. And then you take it and you show that this is what the incarnation looks like. And for those who are wondering where the sugar is, this little object lesson doesn't have sugar. And there you have it. You have the human nature of Jesus being united and it is being placed inside this picture and we give it a bit of a stir there and we shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it like that. And there I present to you the incarnation. And if this happened back in 451, when the church fathers are looking to understand what actually happened when he became flesh, this is what would be called heresy. That's not what happened. It's not. It's not what happened. At the incarnation, Jesus did not become a third thing. You didn't take his humanity and his, humi and his divinity and you mix it together and you get this third thing. No, no, no. This is not right. This isn't right at all. You take this and you say, at the incarnation, Jesus did not cease to be what he already was. That is to say, he is completely human and he is completely God and he is together in one person. He does not become a third thing. He doesn't cease to be what he had been. He takes on the nature of man. He takes on humanity and he takes that on and yes, he needed to be fed and he was tired and he needed to take a nap. 
and he knew pain. And he had to be taken care of by his parents. And he could do the most ungodlike thing possible. He could actually die. He's truly human, 100%, truly God in one person. He doesn't represent a split in these two. He's not half man and half God. He is 100% man and 100% God. He is together in one. And you can't take one away and still have the same Jesus. They have to be together, and they are one. Now, why is that important? Jesus, the Word, is the only one, the sinless one, who could bridge not a construction project, a real flesh and blood. He could bridge as far as possible and put his hand on humanity and without sin and reach as far as he can possibly. In the beginning was the word. Coming together and that Jesus alone can be the perfect sacrifice and die on the cross and satisfies God's wrath for your sin and for my sin. Matthew 1, verse 23, what does it say? He has come to take away our sin. That's the bad news. Emmanuel, God with us. And that's the beauty of what happened here at this birth. This was the coming together. This was it when he became flesh, the Son of God took on humanity so that he could die for our sin. Object lesson completed. Let's look at the third question, the third question. And that is, the question is, he dwelt among us. He dwelt among us. If you could advance that slide for us. Now, why would he want to do that? Why would he want to do that? And the answer is, he just wants to be near his people. If you're thinking about the story arc of the Bible, in the beginning, God created, and you run it all the way through the first 39 books of the Bible into the Old Testament. And the story arc is there, and you have God. He's created the world. Genesis 3 and 4. He's in the garden with Adam and Eve, and it's a perfect world. In the cool of the day, they're walking, and then they sin. And then God says, I can't dwell here, holy God, with unholy people. And so God sends them away. He kicks them out of the garden, puts the flaming sword at the edge so they can't come back. A few chapters later, you have the flood. And sin is covering the whole world, and so God is recognizing that, and he says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send the ark. And he takes Moses, or sorry, he takes Noah, and he puts Noah in the ark with his three sons and the daughters-in-law, and they, there are eight people in this ark. And then he, what does he do? He just wipes out everybody else. And then by chapter 11 of Genesis, you have 
the Tower of Babel. And then the Tower of Babel, the people are getting so excited they want to actually go up and reach God. And so God says, no, no, no. I'm going to kick them out of the garden. I'm going to wipe them out. And now I'm going to spread them out. And he spreads them out. And then there's this big pause until you get to Genesis chapter 12. Let me ask you something. <laughs> Trying to understand what's happening at the very end of chapter 11 when he spread out the people. And then Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, he's going to, Genesis 12 verse 1, he's going to choose Abram. Has this ever happened to you? You've got this pantry in your kitchen. Maybe it's downstairs. It's where you keep all your extra stuff. And you happen to go in there, and as you're reaching up to get the salsa, the glass salsa at the very top of it, somehow it falls off there and it shatters down on the floor and the splatter everywhere of the salsa and the glass. And you look at all that, and you just step out, and you just close the door. <laughs> Honey. Or maybe it's doing a little do-it-yourself project, doing some painting. And there's a knock at the door. It's the neighbor, chatty, chatty. You go up and you have this little visit. As you come back inside the house, you notice your golden retriever doing golden retriever things. And in his mouth is the paintbrush dripping and the paw prints and you follow your sweet dog back to where it is in the paint project, and there's just paint everywhere. And you close the door and you say, honey, it's time to move. <laughs> it's just going to be easier that way. Kicked out, wiped out, spread out, I'm done. The door doesn't close. God says, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to start, and I'm going to choose one person. I want to be with my people. He takes Abram, and he says, Abram, I'm going to bless you. Through you, your seed, we're going we're gonna to do this. And sure enough, Genesis chapter 12, it starts that whole next sequence. We get into Moses. And all of the storyline goes on. And then the David and the divided kingdom. If you obey, I will be with you. you. I will be your God. If you don't, I will what? And sure enough, they do the what? <laughs> and so they are taken over by Assyria. Along comes Babylon. And sure enough, kicked out, wiped out. Ship, no, sorry, wiped out. Now, now we're going to actually ship them out. We're going to ship them away. And then there's this period of darkness. We sang about it this morning. There's this darkness that happens now because they've been shipped out and they're now spread away. They're all somewhere else. Malachi closes and there's this 400 years of just absolute silence, darkness. Don't forget that Advent starts in darkness. And then you have the truth of the story, that Jesus comes into that. He wants to dwell with his people. 
dwell with his people. If Genesis chapter 1 is about the beginning, you go, I recognize that. This idea of dwelling with your people should remind you of a series that Daniel did when he talked about all the different kinds of covenants, and he talked about the tabernacle. And to dwell means to set up a tent, to pitch a tent, to be present. And if the first part of our study, which was about the word going to Genesis chapter 1, now dwelt among us, we have to go to Exodus. And it is Exodus that we find that God wanted to be in the presence of his people and that the tabernacle sat there in the midst of those tribes. And he was wanting to be near his people. And so, God sent his son in to be with us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, set up a tent, moved into the neighborhood to be with his people. Now, I'm not sure how this catches you today, especially during this Christmas season, as you think about the Christmas Advent season and everything that's going on around you. I mean, we could be honest and say to you that... uh, when it comes to the Christmas season, it's just this awkward, chaotic, Christmas-navigating family dynamics. And I'm not too excited about that. And there's the consumerism that goes on. And this story is just so far out of reach and has nothing to do of what's happening right now in our chaotic current world. But the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He wants to be among us. If we could take it now, the slide, and we go back to find out how the Cook family is doing on this road trip. And we are still traveling, and we have this picture here that we can turn to. And we're back still in the park, and we're still taking in the majesty and the wonder. (laughs) And then at one point in the midst of all of that, you hear someone, no names, because I have to go home to them after the service. (laughs) Yes, mom, the wonder, the majesty. (laughs) Can we turn on our movies now, please? And there's something about the children being in the most beautiful place in the world, taking it all in, and yet, the familiarity begins to kill the wonder. And as we finish up today, that, is there something about now this familiarity that we have with this Advent season that we've lost the wonder in the midst of all of this? Because nothing has changed. There's still the beautiful scenic, snow-capped mountains of the park. But somehow we've lost what that looks like. So may this season be a little different as we look at the Advent, and can you find ways in which you can be present? And how can you do that? You need to be intentional, looking to create a space and some time to just sit with all of this. For some of you, and we have the Advent calendars or the Advent devotionals that are there, that's a different kind of a rhythm. Maybe you're trying something different. What does it look like? But be encouraged 
because it's the orientation of the heart. If you're looking for the wonder and the awe of the Advent, it's right there. And you will experience, and I trust you will experience it here for the first time this Advent season. Again, we're on a journey to Christmas Day. Oh, holy night, Christmas Eve. He came. Jesus has come. He wants to be with his people. He wants to be with you, and he wants to be with me. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word, the written word. But we thank you for the word. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you sent him in to be with us as he enters into the darkness. And he came at just the right time. And we thank you that because he is the perfect one, the eternal one, the one who is the sinless one, he can be for us the true sacrifice. And we thank you for that. We don't want to miss that in the midst of this Christmas season. And for each of us, as we seek to find ways that we don't lose the wonder and the awe of the Advent season, It'll surprise us with how you show us anew that wonder that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In Jesus' name, amen.